0: We are talking about hospitality. And last week, we were gonna go into part three, but we didn't get to. Um, but I got, I read you guys a little thing, which I think the only person who wasn't here was Beverly. Um, but just to refresh your memory, I hope you guys don't mind being a little bit repetitive. Can we read just a little bit of Matthew 25 to establish sort of where we're coming from? And we're heading towards the close of this series. So in Matthew 25, then we'll start at verse 34. So this is Jesus saying, talking um, about the future when uh, everyone is gathered before the judgment seat. And obviously the king in this reference is God, Jesus, whoever. Um, So this is what he says. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father take your inheritance the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world for i was hungry and you gave me something to eat i was thirsty and you gave me something to drink i was a stranger and you invited me in i needed clothes and you clothed me i was sick and you looked after me i was in prison and you came to visit me and the righteous will answer him lord when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink when did we see a stranger and invite him in or needing clothes and clothe you when did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you the king will reply, I'll tell you the truth, whatever you did for the one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. So, and I, last week I sort of tacked on to that, a little bit from a sermon that a guy had given on Matthew 25, and he talked about how every day, or every week, he saw Jesus on Tuesday, mostly ten times a day on Tuesday. And, at first that might not make sense, but because he talked about a Mr. Jesus and a Mrs. Jesus and a Jesus who has a dog and a Jesus who's black and a Jesus who's white and a Jesus who's bound to a wheelchair and can't really get out. But the thing was, he was taking this verse literally and applying it to his life when he would go and deliver like meals on wheels kinds of things. And for in the winter when he'd go and shovel people's sidewalks, that when he was doing this for people who couldn't, uh, do that sort of thing for themselves, people who were not forgotten by society, but just sort of the opposite of what the uppity of are in society, the, the lower people, you know, people who are just, they're just sort of there hanging out, they can't really even take care of themselves, let alone do something for society as a whole. He took that verse and said, whenever I'm doing something for these people that are in need of help I'm doing it for Jesus and in that way he saw Jesus every Tuesday every week so I thought that was really really a nice way to put that into perspective and to help you think about where do you see Jesus in your life every day so I want to move from where we were talking about before about what happened to hospitality where did it go uh, what even was hospitality in the Bible? To how can we get that kind of caring back? Like this, this kind of uh, seeing Jesus everywhere. Where how can we live our lives like that? And when you say I want to live my life like that, because I think most of us can agree that we do. Because I mean, like I said, it's it's biblical. It's Christ-like, even from a purely Uh, secular perspective, it's good for society to help each other out, you know? So we have to ask ourselves, what gets in our way if something is so good? And a lot of times it's fear. And when we talk about fear, I'm talking about just the concerns we have when we say, okay, I'm going to be hospitable. But then you stop and think for a second. You think, okay, but what about this and what about that? And it's those questions that sort of arise in the back of your mind. What ifs. Yeah, what ifs. That's a good way to put it. The practical concerns about hospitality. And just an FYI, this isn't like a I'm going to trip you up kind of thing. Not a if I, if you answer one way or the other, I'm going to pull out a Bible verse and be like, oh, smack down. Like that. (laughs) Um, I mean, this is not what we do here. We're just going to, we want to discuss this. Because, I mean, there are practical issues, there are real issues. Um, because like we saw in our first discussion on this, whenever you see someone along the road, it's not necessarily the, oh man, I don't want to help them. It's the, I don't know if that's safe for me to do kind of thing. Those practical concerns are like, get in the way a lot of times.
1: Since when is that practical.
0: Well, yeah. And I mean, so it seems almost like these practical concerns take our best intentions and just sort of push them. A little bit off the course. So I want, as we go through these, I want you guys to see if you can uh, relate to any of these statements and give give me your input or your opinion. Think if it's a legit, what?
2: Go ahead, I already have one.
0: If it's a legitimate, if it's a legitimate concern Mm -hmm. or not. Okay, so the first one would be I don't have the gift of hospitality, it doesn't come naturally to me. I'm just not good at going out and being like striking up a conversation with someone and engaging them face to face like that. Like it just makes me uncomfortable. Like I'm not good at that, you know? Maybe it's just a gift that some people have. Like some people are great preachers and I'm no preacher. So I mean some people are great hospitality people. I'm just not one of those. I can do something else. Is that legitimate?
1: The person isn't determined enough to be hospitable. If you have enough determination and faith in God, you can
3: literally do anything. Yeah, but like when you're in the situation, like for me, like I like to be alone and sometimes I don't always know what to talk about with people. So I
0: wouldn't be afraid it would be awkward. I, I relate with that. Yeah, because like you ask about the weather, you say again about the weather, and then you say what a nice day it was, and you realize that's just more about the weather and then like i'm a little I'm a little lost, like what on earth do I talk about after that? How do I engage them or what what if you say something that's like you mean it totally lightly, but for some reason, it like hits a a bad button on that person, and you've just like opened up this whole can of worms, like. Like, down, and you're like, oh man, tough day at the office, and they're like, I lost my job, or something like that, you know? That's that is exactly what happened, okay? I
1: have, like, a personal anecdote, okay? Uh, it was at the end of, like, one of our performances, and, uh, my friend Kima, um, uh, I was standing next to him as our director was telling us that she was gonna have a bonfire at her house. And we're like, it's not gonna be, like, a big out of control bonfire, you know? And he was like, are you afraid of fire? I'm like, no, and he's like, Haha, I don't believe that for one minute. You know, you're probably afraid of fire because you stepped in it as a little kid. And now, whenever you see a big fire, you're like, I don't know, afraid as hell or something. And I looked at him with the most serious face ever. My house burned down, and all my other friends are like, Oh! <laughs> he's like hiding his face in shame. I just laughed. <laughs>
0: I think you'd all agree this is a pretty common excuse used in the church. And not and just because it's an excuse does not mean it's not legitimate. To say, well, I mean, I'm just I'm more of a wallflower. I'm not I don't go out there and do that kind of thing. And I think that while it's true some of us are better at it than others. You know, the, the Sunday school answer is, well, everyone can do it, though, you know? And even though that is easier said than done, I think, I mean, it is all of our responsibility. Not all responsibilities are easy. And sometimes it's not even easy to show hospitality to our friends, let alone strangers, you know? Sometimes it things just get awkward. But I think the thing that we overlook a lot of times is that we have this one picture of what hospitality looks like, what you have to do, but... Uh, how an outgoing person does hospitality might look a lot different than how uh, a shy person does hospitality. The way they approach it. Um. So you have to ask yourself, well, what might it look like? I mean, can you guys think of anything? Uh, there's this guy I used to go to school with, Josh Rathmore. Well, I mean, I don't know how many Ryan knows him. But anyway, <laughs> but outgoing guy I have ever met. Like, he'll embrace <laughs> anyone in a hug. I mean, right away. he might know of you, and that's a good enough excuse to just be like, ah, hey! (laughs) And he's super outgoing. I have no doubt that he can go and strike up a conversation with anyone, feel 100% comfortable, and engage them that way. I'm sure it would be really easy for him to go out on someone on the street and just be like, hey, brother, la, 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 let's go have coffee or something like that. Just because Josh can, he has no shame in doing that. And that's great. It really is great. But at this, like, I, I don't really feel comfortable going up to many people and just being, hugging them, whether I know them or not. So, I mean, I, I would never be able to go up to a, a stranger and just be like, you look like you need a hug, and, <laughs> and embrace them in this giant bear hug, like Josh could. But,
3: appropriate
0: <laughs> No, but that's just it. If, if it's appropriate or not, Josh will do it. Yeah, he doesn't realize the difference that he was. No, Josh. That's just how Josh is. He's that outgoing. Oh.
1: <laughs> they would
0: love him to talk to Yeah, I mean, and so you know, depending on the context, context, that's great. But I don't think I could do that. Now, does that mean I totally jump ship and I'm like, okay, I'm off the hospitality boat. I'm not getting back on there. I can't do it. No, because what I think we don't realize often is we are a body. Christ described us as a body. And, you know, even when Jesus was spreading his message, he didn't do it by himself. He had 12 people with him, you know. He used 12 people to go and spread that message. And I think of uh, Paul and Silas, you know, going out together. And I don't think that we have to see hospitality... Even though it's an individual responsibility, it's not something that we have to do solely by ourselves, right? If it's, if it's easier for you to get a friend and being like, hey, I had this idea. What, if, what would you think about doing this? And going out and doing that with that person, that's great. That's not being any less hospitable just because you're not like leading the charge by yourself and being like, I got this.
1: And like Caitlin
0: said, I mean, if, in a, if a situation would feel just maybe it wouldn't seem wise from a safety perspective or something like that, or whether it'd just be awkward. Like, take someone with you. That's great. And you know I me mean, A lot of times when you get into a group, different people's strengths can play off with each other, and it becomes even more effective than if just one person was doing it by themselves. So, to that excuse, I would say, yeah, it probably doesn't come naturally to a lot of people, but... Don't let that limit you. Get creative, and realize that there's not one set way hospitality has to be done. I guess I'd summarize all that into saying the point is don't let our personal shortcomings be an excuse for not practicing hospitality, right?
1: True
0: statement. Okay, so number two, how many can relate with this? I'm frugal, and it's very hard to be generous. I'm I'm very thrifty with money. I don't spend money on myself, so it's even hard to give away money to someone else. That's that would be something that,
1: yeah. especially when they're very excited
0: to chocolate. Like my my girlfriend Sarah, she's terrible at spending money. It took her two weeks to decide that she should probably go down the block and get milk because <laughs> she was out of milk, but she didn't want to spend the money on the milk. Which I don't understand at all. When it comes to <laughs> at food, all, there's no reservation. It's, it's a store a block away, and you you have money with you. Milk is like one of the essential things, and to not do that, I don't understand it. But she doesn't like to do it. She just does not like to spend money,
1: especially um. not milk money.
0: But no, it's it's milk, okay. But anyway, um, I'm not. It's not bad to live simply okay? There's no need to be extravagant, okay? There's no need to, if you have a lot of money, to just throw it around. There's no need to, um, I mean, there's no shame in living simply and trying to be uh, wise with money. That's good. That's biblical. That's being a good steward of what you've been given. But there's ways of living s- simply that still... Allow you to be very hospitable. And I think a good example of this, looking in history, is, uh, monks in monasteries. I don't know if you guys ever studied that. But monks lived in a, I mean, we sort of have the stereotypical image of a monk in like a brown robe and a little bald spot. <laughs> but they live in monasteries out, sort of away from things. And they live very simply. Uh, they wouldn't have any like extravagant clothes or extravagant possessions yeah, they do crazy things like that uh but they live very simply but at the same time they made themselves available to people who needed it people who needed shelter people who needed food people who needed clothing people who were passing through and just needed something um their simplicity was engineered to help others which i think is pretty Cool. I mean, they were self-sustaining out there, but yet they were able to give so much to others. They were they cre- they were, maybe they got creative and they figured out ways to do it. But I'm just saying, if you look at that, they didn't use the "I don't have anything, so I can't give it anything" as an excuse or as a mask to hide behind. Um, and I mean that's not like a guilt trip on saying that if you're not, I mean if you're a poor college student and you're like coming to and you're like oh no I mean again that can be used as an excuse but
1: time is more valuable than money
0: yeah it's another excuse (laughs) I mean there are things that can be given other than money but I think money is definitely a part of it Mm -hmm. I mean money was like a big thing in the bible it seems there's a lot of verses like in the new testament there's something like over 2000 references to money I mean, it was a big deal. I'm not, I'm not saying, like, handing out checks, like giving money, but using money that you have that's like, I don't know. Like, for, for if you're a monk, or you're not a monk, but you want to practice, you say you want to give food to people, okay? Well, you have to have money to buy that food for other people. And, I mean, that's money you could have spent on yourself, but instead you're giving it up that. Is that making any sense? Whatsoever? I'm just saying, we can use the I'm living simply, I don't have anything, I'm not asking anything of anybody, therefore I'm not obligated to give anything to everybody. As sort of a, a, a wall to hide behind. Um, what do you guys think about that?
3: I think time is a good thing to talk about in like white like When... Your life is so filled with like so many activities you run yourself on overload and you don't have the emotional or even physical time to give to other people where if you're more simple with what you commit yourself to mm-hmm. or the other things you're involved in then you have more time for contrusions
1: like that I remember when I was really little um my parents. <coughs> Um, he went to Walmart this one day, and it was right before the vacation, so you had to make sure you have everything ready, and uh, get all the things you need, and I got separated from my mom and dad, and I didn't know where they were, and I sat down in the shoe section, and I started crying because I was scared, and this Mennonite lady who was walking along the path, like most people, would like know ignore like a kid crying in a corner, at least nowadays, but she took the time, even though I wasn't from a religious sect or anything like that, I had shorts on, I had a t-shirt on, she took the time, she asked me what's wrong, and I told her they're lost, and uh, she actually prayed with me, after, like, looking back, it it was very, That memory still carries with me because she took the time to spend on me instead of doing what she needed to do. Because after she was done and stuff like that, after we had said her goodbyes and she was going to leave, she looked like she was in a hurry. But it was just really nice
3: to see somebody like that reaching out.
0: I guess a better way to put this um, would be Sometimes it's easier just to throw money in a fund or something like that than to give up our own resources. And really, when we talk about cost, it's taking our own resources and not using them for ourselves, using them for someone else. And that's hard. And maybe if, if you're someone who you're... Your time is a very valuable resource. You work two jobs or something, plus school, plus this or that, and you, you just feel like you're stretched to the, to the limit to be able to put that margin in there and to use that margin for someone else rather than yourself. That's hospitality. Good on that one? Okay. Um, the third one is, and I, Ryan and I were just talking about this one, A third concern is, my hospitality isn't reciprocated, people will just, they just keep taking advantage of me. Or, or in other words, I give, the person takes, they understand that they can keep getting from me, so I keep giving, and they just keep coming back and coming back and coming back, and they just take advantage of me, because they don't take any effort on their part to change the situation. Is this a concern to anyone. Yeah. I think
3: it's something you should be concerned about. Okay. I think you should be careful in the ways you can give. This is reinforcing bad habit. Okay. If you're enabling, or if you're being constructive
2: with them. I feel that way too, but also at the same time, should it really completely matter? Because so we're just called to give, and then. No. It shouldn't completely matter, but at the same time, it does matter because, yeah, you're enabling this person to live this helpless kind of life, but. Give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. Teach a man to fish, and he'll you know eat for the rest of his life. What if that person's not willing to learn though? Or if they can't learn? Yeah. Or if the steam dries up. <laughs> 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 exactly right
1: now. the thing I've ever heard! Oh
2: my goodness! That That is awesome! Part of it, I'm I'm just talking about a personal. Um, What's the word now? Um, scenario, I guess, right now. Is there's this family member of mine and her boyfriend, and they've, she's had a job in the past, I think, and he's had a job in the past. Now, they she went to prison, she got out of prison, she hasn't gotten a job since. And now, we've helped them already, and then they've become homeless in a sense where they live in their van or whatever, and they come and ask for help. Okay, we help them, then they go to this other place. And they ask for help again. And then they go to this other place and they ask for help again. Like they kind of get themselves on their feet. And then they, it just, the bottom falls out again. And they're not getting themselves on their feet by getting a job. They're hooking themselves up with somebody where they can live cheaply. And those people, I think, just get sick of them. And I think they're both mentally slow enough that they can't get a great job, but they can still get a job. But they don't even really care to, or want to, or think about it enough. So it's almost like I feel like we should still give them. Even though they're gonna keep coming back more and more eventually, anyway. But because if we don't give, well, I don't even know if they'd survive at all, but I don't know. But then if, I don't know. <laughs> it's really annoying. Not knowing whether to give or not give. Yeah,
3: money would be better spent in
0: counseling. My, my personal feeling on that particular thing, and it's just me, it is what Beverly said. I mean, you can give to someone a fish, and they'll eat their thing. But, I mean, if you teach them how to do it themselves. But, okay. so in that case, what if, instead of just throwing money at them, or yeah. throwing food at them, or whatever, why not devote the time and the energy to m- making them get into a, a, a path that's like, okay, here's how you can be, you know, put put the ball in their court, maybe. And, I mean, that's, that's not being... That's not trying to shove off the responsibility in your part. That's being that's being loving in I a lot understand. of ways.
2: We've tried to put the ball in their court. It just gets thrown back. <laughs> it's like the no, money. They don't really care to really have it in their court. That's but, the problem.
1: That's why I'm saying, like, I don't know what to call it. It's like enabling. <laughs> no, they're. It's like what I saw in York in the mission have this center where while people are living there and they have no place to go and their money's run out in this case they don't have family members to like help them out or anything they actually like teach them they be harsh (coughs) by not providing a fallback but they're being good by giving them all the steps they need to go and you have to do this And, like, literally, they counsel them on how to uh, keep a job, how to save their money, how to literally handle money, and stuff like that. And that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, find some sort of thing like that. And I think paying for them to, like, have this kind of counseling would be better than just paying the money to handle
2: food. I agree, but at the same time, I still laugh because these people would go maybe one day and they quit. They would; <laughs> these ones don't care. That's what I mean. They don't even care if they don't have a job. They don't want to work.
3: So, wouldn't it almost be a lot more loving to let the them back bottom and
0: realize? I would agree would with that.
3: that to
2: to a of? Yeah, I guess. I don't but
3: know. I <laughs> really, they're not living. Uh,
2: Life.
3: Yeah, they just take this thing like yeah, I don't know. Like to give a person a fish takes a minute and to teach
2: them to fish could take you half a day. So it's almost more inconvenient to teach somebody to fish. Yeah. So what do you do with this person if they have texted you and messaged you asking you how they can get money? You know people that have money. And you just ignore them or send them away. Text them. Stop texting mm-hmm. me. Let them get to rock bottom, then eventually text them back. (laughs) No,
3: not not text them, but maybe give them an option like, hey, there's this place here that will, or this program that will help you. You could go get that. But I can't keep just letting you live off me. Yeah. Like the tough love. But yeah, I've never been in this situation, so I can't, like, say that's not awkward.
0: Yeah. Okay, here's my thing. (laughs) I mean, that, that's sort of a, that's a tough situation, like what Ryan's talking about. But in general, that idea, that feeling of, are people going to take advantage of me if I start putting myself out there? Because I'm sure it's happened to all of us. We did something nice for someone once, and then you feel like they just keep coming back again and again and again. And, at, and then eventually at some point, whether you think it consciously or not, you're just like, why did I do that in the first place, right? At least I've been like that. Yes. So I say that that Jesus knew that that feeling would be there when we went to do when we would do things for people who were in situations where they would probably keep coming back and stuff like that. And I mean, Jesus knows that we were human. He was human himself, right? Also God, but also human. And he could understand this feeling. So, I think that is why Jesus said that when we're doing something for the needy among us, that we're doing it for him. Because if we can't bring ourselves to say, if we feel like this person is taking advantage of us again and again and again, we feel like, well, I've given them so much, and... Even though we know we're supposed to give without expecting anything back, it just sort of eats at you, you know what I mean? But if you put Jesus in that person's spot, Jesus has already paid on a reward that's unable to be paid back, you know? Jesus already gave his life for you. Jesus already made you part of his family and I mean, there's no greater gift that could be given than that. He gave the greatest gift. And it's something that we could never, ever, ever repay. And he doesn't ask us to. He does does it for us freely. But for me, if I say that that person that I'm doing it for, this person who I think they're going to take advantage of me, if I'm doing it for Jesus, I owe them everything I have already. And I mean, that's pretty idealistic to say that. Is it 100% realistic? I don't think so. But
1: what if Jesus sucks you dry and then moves on without a second thought?
2: That's what I mean. You just have to keep giving because Jesus said to give.
0: <laughs> I see. Now, I think here. <laughs> here's the thing. Jesus, and we don't like to think about it, but he did. We get the source of a lot of those feelings is a sense of entitlement. Mm-hmm. Like I'm supposed to get to keep something. I'm supposed to. There's supposed to be a line that I'm allowed to draw and say enough is enough, okay? Or I mean, they're just how can how can I keep why why should I have to keep living out my faith when they, like all they do is just act like I'm not doing anything for them? I mean, those are admittedly probably unchristlike <laughs> thoughts to be having, but we have them nonetheless. At least I do. It's like when you and it's easy to sit back in a church pew and say, well, here's what we should do, but when you're in the situation again and again and again you feel like you're being taken advantage of. You just get bitter about it. That danger of getting bitter is very real there. But I go to Matthew 5. And in Matthew 5, Jesus said this in uh, verse 38. He says... You've heard it was said eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but I tell you, don't resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now, that's that's verses 38 through
1: 42.
0: I mean, those are verses that are quoted kind of a lot. But I mean, what's it all about? And I think in anyone who's been placed in a situation where someone says, hey, give me your phone or whatever, and you're like, oh, fine, here, would you like my computer too? I mean, that, is that a realistic scenario? It just seems like how many people would actually do that? I think, I mean, if you do that, great, but I think what Jesus was getting at here is if if you see that you're not entitled to any of these things that you call yours like suddenly giving is not a problem like if if someone, it talks about a tunic and robes and stuff like that, but I'm using the example of a phone and a computer, if someone takes your phone but you say, well I'm not really entitled to that anyway, I've been blessed with it and you know what, this laptop, I've been blessed with it too I mean, are there worse things that could have happened? Yeah, we probably won't be happy about it. But I think, I hope this is making a little sense. I think that the, the root of I'm being taken advantage of is this unspoken understanding that I deserve blank and fill in the blank with whatever. I deserve this on some base level. There's these things that I deserve. Whether those are physical things, like computers or phones, or uh, more abstract things like dignity or something like that. So do we live up to this total I'm not entitled to anything thing? No, not at all. Jesus gives us, as he often does, an ideal and says, this is the way that it needs to be. And a lot of times those ideals are set higher than we could ever do on our own. That's where... Grace and forgiveness and trusting in Jesus comes in. But since it's a standard only he meets, and we're supposed to be more like Christ, that's what we're striving for. We're striving to get to that point where we can not feel that, I don't want to be taken advantage of, because in the end, what, what do I really deserve? What I haven't what is What is mine that I haven't been blessed with? Does that make sense?
1: Any Wait, thoughts? What?
0: Disagreement.
1: Say it again.
0: What is? Is there anything that's mine that hasn't already been given to me? I haven't been blessed with. And in the end, can I really even say I deserve whatever? Anyone disagree with that vehemently, or want to argue it?
1: Whenever um, this takes me back to whenever we got money stolen from. The church by those
3: robbers,
0: do we prosecute them? I didn't think that we should prosecute. And so, I mean, it's a couple hundred dollars. I mean, uh, the more important thing is what is the impression of the church is? I, I'm more concerned that the person would think they have to come and steal from a church to get something from the church than just being able to come up to a church and ask yeah, and say, paper. I need, yeah, I need this, you know?
1: Would our church say,
2: I know one time my grandmother was cleaning up here and a lady came up and asked for money. Mm -hmm. And my grandma was like, we'll go up to the preacher. She went up to ask for money for groceries and Paul was like, we'll take you shopping. And she was like, no, I don't want
0: it. I just want to need money. Yeah. Uh, I I think this goes back to the core thing of where's hospitality gone. If someone needs something, the church should be a place where they can say, if they have a legitimate need, I need this. Not a place where they can, like, just dip their fingers into the pot and come out with, like, a bunch of money. But if they're, if they really are needing groceries or needing fuel or something like that, I mean, the church should be a place. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, that's a whole other aspect of hospitalities. And it sort of goes into this next concern. Where are the boundaries for hospitalities? Are there boundaries? It's just our church really took a bigger look at hospitality. How do you think our community would change? Those are good questions to ask and those where we're go- that's where we're going to end up. Really? In the end. Yeah. Sweet. Just asking those kinds of things. Okay, I'll save it for the Okay. Have any of you guys ever done a foot washing? Yeah. 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 No? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I thought I thought that would be a really nice way to end this series because that was that was how we'll read that passage of scripture in more detail. But that right there is having washing someone's feet is obviously an <laughs> act of hospitality because it's just it's sort of awkward, it's sort of weird. It's not something you you know. I mean, and so that it's a good example of those sort of feelings that can come up when you're doing hospitality, but also when you overlook is sometimes hospitality is really hard to receive and to be on the receiving end and to be sort of humbled to that place where you just have to let go and say, someone's doing this for me. And I think um, that's a rather interesting part of it. And so I think that would bring it sort of 360. And then Bev said a little couple of speculation questions. um, Like, what, what would it look like? What do you think would happen if we could start living out Hospitality a bit more um, in our community, in our church, anything like that. So, will we finish all that up next week? Mm, maybe, but we'll see. We to close closing prayer, quick.
2: You heavenly Father, we want to thank you for everything you've done. We want to thank you for bringing us your word about hospitality and how it's fading in the church and how it's fading in Christianity. Let us get our hospitality back and be stronger in it. And be stronger in you. In your name we pray. Amen.